0: One of the key issues that Thomas Aquinas considers early on in his Summa Theologiae, the first part of it, is whether God exists or not. Makes perfect sense because, you know, if you don't have a God, how are you going to have any theology? Theology is about God, Theos. So he's trying to see whether we can provide some sort of argument or grounds or justification for holding that God exists. Can we provide something like a demonstration? And some people might say, you don't even need to do that because it's just obvious that God exists. Or, as he's going to say here, per se nota, often translated as self-evident, literally grasped or known through itself or on its own grounds. We could say intuitively obvious if we have in mind not just some, some sort of vague sense of intuition, but something like, you know, once we understand what we're dealing with, we just see that it is that way. And as always, Thomas has this dialectical way of going about things. He's going to consider some people advancing the position, and then he's going to consider some other objections to that, and he'll work out his own Stance in the process. So first, let's think about what it means to be self-evident. He says, somebody might say it's, it's self-evident that there is a God. Why? Things are said to be self-evident to us when we are innately aware of them. And the Latin for that is when we, the cognitio naturaliter in est, when the knowledge or understanding or mental grasp of it naturally is in Us is in the human being, is in all human beings. And so some people would say there's an idea of God and it's just implanted within all of us. It's part of our original programming, if you like, or it's part of our original endowment. And then, you know, another way of understanding this per se nota being intuitively obvious or self-evident is that it would be known immediately when the terms are grasped. And so he gives you some examples of propositions like this. These are their first principles of demonstration. Like he says, when we know that holes and parts are or exist, we know at once that holes are always bigger than their parts, that the whole is greater than the parts, not necessarily greater than the sum of the parts, right? But it's greater than any one of the parts. So, He considers whether God exists, Deus esse, could in fact be self-evident in these ways. One of the ways he's going to do that is by considering something that looks very similar to Anselm's argument in the Proslogion. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Let's take the other way of doing it first. So he says that John Damascene says that when beginning his book, the awareness that God exists is implanted by nature in everybody. Therefore, God's existence is self-evident to all of us. And he says, well, that's kind of a problem. The, the said contra in this, the on the other hand, says, if it really is impossible for us not to know this, then then why is there the fool who could say in his heart, there is no God? That would seem to be an issue. And then when he's considering this particular line of reasoning in his response to to the objection, he says, the awareness that God exists is not implanted by us in nature and here's the key term, in any clear or specific way. He says, man is by nature aware of what by nature he desires. He desires a happiness which is only to be found in God. But this is not, strictly speaking, awareness that there is a God any more than to be aware of somebody approaching is to be aware of Peter, even if it's Peter approaching. Why does he say this? He says, well, a lot of people have gotten very confused about what our final end or goal or happiness would be. People have placed it in all sorts of other things. And Thomas will consider this in question two of the, the next part of the Summa as well. So that's a problem. And, you know, not everybody understands the same thing by whatever it is that's primally implanted in us. So that's not going to work. He also considers this Anselmian we might call it Anselmian light argument here, which does use some of the formulations that we do find in St. Anselm's Proslogion, but isn't putting out the entire argument and is is sort of stripping it out of its its context. So how does this one go? He says that this is understanding how language, once we understand it, what it means, what the terms mean, we can see what those terms then have to signify, or what relations they have to each other, what implications they have. And we would be able to see that God is per se nota. So the the argument that he gives first is that God, the word God, means that than which nothing greater can be meant. And interestingly, this may be a little bit of trivia, but I think it actually has some importance. He uses the term significari, not... Kogitari in presenting this Anselmian argument. Now, Anselm doesn't actually use that term of meaning or signifying, right? But he says, this is what uh, God is understood to be. And then he says, consequently, since existence in thought, in, in, in intellectu, and existence in reality, or in fact, in re, is greater than existence in thought alone. And since once we understand the word God, he exists in thought, he must also exist in fact. And that's, you know, that's a reconstruction of Anselm's argument. Thomas says, "Well, that's not really going to work." Why isn't it going to work? He gives us the the answer in his response to number 2. He says, "Well, first of all, not everybody who's hearing the word God automatically understands it to mean that than which nothing greater can be thought." And then there he actually does say "quod maius cogitari non potest," which is Anselm's formula. So that's quite true. Not everybody understands God to be that then which nothing greater can be thought. How do we know that's the case? Well, because people have thought all sorts of crazy notions about God like God is a body. And you can think of something greater than a body like a spirit, right? So people have had all sorts of wrong-headed notions. You can't just invoke, you know, non and everyone, boom, there's God, right? That's not going to work. Then he also attacks another part of the argument, this juncture between existence in thought or existence in the understanding, esse in intellectu, and existence in reality, in re. He says, even if the meaning of the word God were generally recognized to be that than which nothing greater can be thought, Nothing that is defined like that, nothing that's signified like that, would thereby be granted existence in re, in reality or in the world of fact, as it's translated here in the Blackfriars, but merely as being thought. So he is denying that Anselm's argument actually works. He says it gets you a God that is greater than anything else or a God that that than which nothing greater can be thought in thought But that does not translate into actual existence in reality. It just means you've thought of something like that. There's no way to get from the idea to something corresponding to that idea in reality. So that's the consideration of that. And then a third one that's a bit more promising, at least at first, he says, people could say, listen, it's self-evident that truth exists. Because even in denying it, you have to admit it what does he mean by that if you want to say there is no truth or truth does not exist you can ask the question which by the way anselm does in on truth is that a true statement that you're making right now so it's it's automatically the case that at least there's something that is true right and now here's where the the argument gets a little bit shaky people say now god is truth itself Because God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, if truth existing is self-evident, since God is truth, God existing is self-evident. And Thomas, again, takes a very careful position on this. He says, sure, I'll grant you that it's self-evident that truth exists in general. He says, in communi, right? In some sense in the world, but... That doesn't actually tell us that there's a first truth, a primum veritatum. It doesn't tell us that that's the case. So you can't use that to sort of bootstrap yourself into God existing necessarily. Thomas is going to provide us with a very important and useful distinction when it comes to these things that are per se nota or self-evident. Strictly speaking, he thinks that God's existence is per se nota, but it's not per se nota. It's not self-evident to us. Why? Well, the way that Thomas understands things being per se nota is that if you have a proposition, you have a subject of a proposition and a predicate of the proposition, right? The subject is what you're talking about. The predicate is what you are saying about that. So he tells us here that for a proposition is self-evident when the predicate forms part Of what the subject means. So what's an example of that? Man is an animal. Why? Being an animal is part of the meaning of man or human being. Can you say that about Deus, God, and essa, or est, exists, has being, is the predicate in some way contained within the subject. Thomas says, yes, in fact, it is. And he he goes on and says, the proposition God exists is self-evident in itself, for as we shall see later, its subject and predicate are actually identical because God is his own existence or being. But there is a problem. We don't actually know what, or fully know what God is. We have a dim grasp of God, but... We don't really know God in itself or in himself or whatever God happens to be. We know God as a cause primarily through the effects of that cause. So Deus Essay or God exists is not per se nota to us. It could be, however, per se nota to the wise or the knowledgeable, the people that he talks about as sapientes, those who have wisdom. Um, those who actually know what God is. Now you could say, well, they're not actually in need of a proof. You're right. If they actually know what God is, they don't need it proven to them. And so Thomas would say here that we can't, rely on something like an Anselmian proof or these other arguments. And we certainly can't appeal to some general sense that God just has this idea implanted within us. If we're going to argue that God exists, we have to provide some other kind of argument. And that's what he will do. But he's provided us with some conceptual clarification here about what it would mean to say that God's existence or God's being is self-evident or per se nota